Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll get some word in you. How many know you have the ability by God to shift your mind from one subject to another? You can move. You are so flexible in your thinking because you have the mind of Christ that we're about to just dive back into the anointing upon the teaching of the word and revelation's going to come and illumination's going to come. Why? Because God's just that good. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. We ask, we know it's anointed in and of itself, but we ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We receive that. We ask you to open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, that we would see, we would hear, we would know. Father, we're so anointed by you. Everyone carries resurrection graces that is born again. We are so anointed by you. We're so grateful that we are in a better covenant with better promises. Lord, that we are blessed. We are blessed. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. We've been empowered and brought into resurrection sonship. We're your children. We've been birthed out of the very loins of God. Lord, everything that was old has passed away and all things have become new and all things are of you. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to minister to people today. And Father, you're going to continue to reveal to us that, that our emotions are in our control, that we can control ourselves, that as we develop spiritually we, and, and become and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we become more and more of a manifestation of your goodness and your resurrection and your grace to those around us, not only for our good, but for your glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we looked at this last week, but the scriptures tell us that we're a three-part being. We saw this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We are a spirit. We possess a soul. We live in a body. The soul has been described as the mind, the will, and the emotions. In this series, we want to focus on the soul and specifically our emotions. Emotions have been described as the spice of life. They do not add substance to life, but flavor it. Just like spice, emotions will not sustain life, but add flavor to life's experiences. In this series, we want to give a balanced biblical perspective to the role of emotions in our life. How many have loved your emotions at time and then not? Well, if you're like me, you have. <laughs> okay, if you're like most humans, you have. Last week, we began talking about the three parts of our godly design in preparation for greater understanding of the soul and our emotions. Our point is, and we started with our first point last week, growing up spiritually requires personal responsibility. Growing up spiritually requires personal responsibility. We, are, we were able to get through about half of the scriptures on that point, so I want to pick up there this morning and then move into defining what emotions are. How many realize this? And I've, I've struggled with this through the years as a, as a minister, but there's no sense in going on to the next thing if you don't have the first thing. There's just no point. 
You know, people say, well, I, need, I, I like to go to a church where they give me lots of knowledge. I'm okay with that, but getting knowledge is only half the equation. Once you have the knowledge, you, you need understanding and wisdom concerning that knowledge. And wisdom specifically is what? The application of that knowledge. So if you've ever read a scripture... Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. How many have ever felt contrary to that verse? That's because you have an understanding of that. And then you think, I must not be born again. Or, what's wrong with me, Lord? I need a, you know, people say, I need a fresh baptism of love. Nope. You just need to stir up what's already there. <laughs> okay? You know, I will, I'll say it like this. I actually heard T.D. Jake say this years ago. But he said that the, the church has sold, or, or uh, ministers have sold the church a bill of goods. That you could just come up and have hands laid on you, and all your problems would go away. Now, that would apply if you died right then and went to heaven. But I haven't seen a lot of people lining up for that kind of laying on of hands. It's just, it has not, it's not produced, you know, the kind of results you'd think, you know, that it would because you get to go to heaven. But I found out that people really do want to go to heaven, just not right now. <laughs> you know, they want to go someday. And people say, when is someday? It's the day after Sunday. It's someday. So the, the reality is, is that Developing spiritually requires personal responsibility. If I don't put into practice what the Lord has revealed to me through his word as a reality in my born-again spirit, it will never produce the fruit that it should in my natural life. Okay, so we are a spirit, we possess a soul, we live in a body. We looked at different scriptures on that, and I don't want to go back and take the time to teach over that. If you want to watch uh, last week's message or listen to it, it's available. Uh, but we looked at concerning uh, proving the personal responsibility side of this. We looked at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, and I'm not going to go back there. And then we got into 1 Corinthians 3, which is where I have you now, and we're looking at verses 1 through 4. There's a personal responsibility that we have. And Paul addresses these. Peter addresses these. Now, two of the passages I'm using are from Paul, the last two, but obviously the first one's from Peter. But same principles are, are given spiritually. Say this with me. Say, in order, in order. to be blessed, be blessed. In, this world, in this world, I have to do, have to do. what the Word says. So, how did I get born again? I heard a word, I believed it in my heart, and I, I did something. Maybe I raised my hand in a service. Maybe I went to the front and gave my heart to but I did something. And when I acted in faith on the grace of salvation offered to me, come on, a change took place in my spirit. The one thing I noticed about me, um, 
uh, after I got saved was, is that I still have the same haircut, still have the same earring in my ear. It didn't just disappear. I was still about the same size. Not as now. No, yes, that's a good point. I, w- I was much thinner. <laughs> I-, I was still, uh, still just about as sickly as I was. I still had the same mind, but in my spirit, I knew something changed. Now, thank God and by the grace of God, today... My thinking is different completely than it was 23 years ago. I mean completely different. I do not struggle and have strongholds in my thinking that I put there and allowed to be put there by the enemy today that I did then because I had transformation take place from this word, but I didn't just receive knowledge. I did what? I put it to work. And as I stepped out in faith on God's word, he did a supernatural work in my mind. And the areas where my flesh dominated me in those days, it doesn't dominate me today doesn't dominate me today in those. Now, I'm not saying I don't still have to deal with my flesh. How many have noticed that the flesh seems to think it needs a resurrection every single morning <laughs> in its desires? <laughs> it just is not, it's not gone yet, you know? And so we need to be aware of that. So we broke into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I want you to mark that word carnal in your mind. Notice that he connects babyhood spiritually with carnality. He, he connects babyhood spiritually, immature. When you think of a baby, do you think, oh, so mature and doing so many good things? Other than just being cute. Babies don't do a lot, right? They eat. They cry. They mess themselves. Does this ring a bell in anything in spirituality? What is Paul telling the Corinthians? He's saying, stop messing yourself. What do we see in that verse? Personal responsibility in spiritual growth. You know, you may say, well, I had a prophetic word that I would be free of such and such in my life. Okay? Did you take personal responsibility concerning that word and then begin to put it to practice tying scriptures to it if it fits. You say, what do you mean if it fits? You should judge the prophetic word by the written word. If it fits, you take it and you can do something with it. If it doesn't, you chuck it. You throw it away. So we see here, he said in verse 2, he said, I fed you with what? Milk. And not solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. What is he comparing? He's comparing a a a new believer to a, a a little baby in the natural. In other words, you do not try out your recipe for prime rib 
on a two-day-old baby. You're going to really like this. You know, that's child abuse. Why? They ain't got no teeth. For one, what do they need to be fed? Soft, easy, light, simple. But God's so good that he puts all the nutrients necessary in that milk for a child to grow and develop physically to where they'll be able to enjoy prime rib. He's the same way in the spirit. Sometimes people are like, Lord, give me more revelation. He's like, I'm trying to get you to drink your glass of milk. <laughs> Have you ever had this discussion with the Lord in your prayer time? The Lord's, you're like, Lord, show me who the Antichrist is. And he's like, no, no, no. You need to walk in love to your wife. Just leave Putin alone. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> I know, everybody's got somebody pegged. All right, all right, so get off that. Stay in the spirit. <laughs> in other words, what? We got to grow. The Lord's been doing this to me. In fact, Dale uh, had said something to uh, our men's breakfast. I think it was, it was last year sometime, about slowing down. Slow down. Do you know, I'm 45. And uh, there are times where I've been so anxious about the call of God. Let's get after it, you know, because you're full of zeal about it. And the other day, Heidi and I were talking about it, and we're learning just slow down, slow down. Slow down. Rest. And he said, uh, we were talking about this, and I said, you know, you think about those that are really have been what we consider successful in ministry. What is one of the keys or what is some of the stuff that you see? And I was thinking about this. A lot of guys that I really look up to have been preaching for 45 years. And you think, you, you listen to the, what they're teaching, the revelation that comes out. And as a young minister, I was like, oh, how, how am I going to find that revelation? Walk it out. Have you ever heard somebody share something from the word? And you knew it, and then you heard somebody more seasoned share it, and all of a sudden it went, wait. What's the difference? They've lived it longer. They've walked it out longer. And so Paul's saying here, he's saying, look, you guys, you guys need to grow up. He said, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. So Paul fed them, and what that means is he, he preached and he taught the principles or the first principles of Christ to them. One commentary says it like this, there are realms in God that young Christians do not know and for which they are not yet ready. 
This soft diet is necessary because as spiritual babes, they were not ready for the deeper truths of the gospel. I'll put it to you like this, just to give you a little can opener, a little prequel to where we're going. If you're an up and down emotional Christian, you're not as spiritual as you may think you are. Because in the spirit, the spirit of the resurrection, God is steady. He, he navigates through the times, the dispensations of time, and he's the same. Why? Because he wrote the end already. And you say, oh, that's nice for God. Yeah, except for he put that resurrection power in you. And you're called to grow spiritually one commentary said this at this point Paul leveled a terrible charge they had remained babes they had not grown spiritually they remained on the same plateau as when they first began and so proved themselves to be carnal Christians. This was a strong rebuke to the Corinthians' pride and sense of accomplishment. Have you ever been in a service and you heard somebody teach something and, and, you, and when they went to the scripture you thought, I know that. I mean, I need something new. Have you ever got out of your natural mind and into your spirit and went, oh, I heard Mark Hankins say this years, uh, a few years ago, he shared about how um, Brother Hagin, he was going to a service where Brother Hagin was teaching, Kenneth Hagin, and he went to, to open your Bibles to Mark 11, 23, and 24. I would just say this, I mean, I don't know, I never knew Brother Hagin personally, but I went to the school there, and, the, and then we were there for, I was there since, well, I went in 97 till 2003. And he used the same scriptures in his messages every time. You know, people sometimes hear that and they go, I need fresh manna. <laughs> I, need, I just need fresh manna. I, I can't go back over that same scripture. You, you don't know what fresh manna is. You're not understanding what that is. Do you know why people say that? Because they've become familiar with the scriptures. So he said, turn to Mark, and, and Mark Hankins inside, because he goes to, I mean, he's been connected with Raymond for years. Inside, he went, oh, just like that. How many have done this before? Now, be honest. Stop lying to me. <laughs> I know you don't want to raise your hand. That's fine. I'll raise my hand for you. I've done it so many times. Now, I'm way better than I used to be, because I don't even, I just go in, okay, Lord, teach me. I don't care about personality. I don't care about how they present it. None of that. Just teach me. And that's, you're growing then. That shows growth. And he just kind of inside, oh. And he said, Lord. And I don't know if he was going through a tough time or whatever. 
And the Lord spoke to him and said, do you think you know everything in that verse? Yeah. Trouble. We're in trouble. (laughs) And he said, no, Lord. He said, if you'll sit up and pay attention, I'll show you something you didn't know before. Ooh. You know, I've, you know, we've been, sometimes you feel like you've gone to church for so long, you know it all. What if the Corinthians would have said, and I said this last week, what if they go home after the service and go, hey, how was the service today? Somebody asked him, you know, that wasn't there. How was the service today? Oh, it was Paul. It was good. Well, what did he teach on? Same thing he always does. Why? The the, the question is, why do we have to go back? Ooh, glory. You feel all the emotion from worship still? Somebody take a lap. (laughs) Somebody shout and rejoice. I know, but here's the thing. Do we want the freedom of maturity? Or do I want somebody have to pick me up all the time and put a little bottle in my mouth and, ooh, it's okay. Oh, somebody's got a stinky. You say, do you have to use those examples? Yes, because if I don't get you to laugh, you're not going to let the seed in. I've got to get it in. (laughs) Come on. I don't want to plateau and never go any further. So he goes on to say, he says, he said, I wanted to feed you with, with milk, and, but I couldn't. I couldn't even give you solid food. He said, verse 3, for you are still carnal, for where there is what? Envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like what? Mere men. In other words, you're a Christian, and you look just like the world. Now, that should be comforting and discouraging all at once. Or maybe I should say challenging is probably a better word. Comforting because, hey, you may be just saved and you look like the world still. And what I mean by look is I don't mean necessarily just an external thing, but your behaviors and ways are still worldly. But he didn't say, you're not saved, you ding-dongs. Get in the altar and get right. He didn't say that. They're saved, they just need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So he says, in the New Living, it says this, it says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Do you know quarreling is carnal? Now watch, Christians have gotten good. You want, you, want to know a, you want to know what the Lord has dealt with me about at times? Christians have gotten good at not doing it publicly, but they do it privately when the other person's not there. And guess who still sees it? I mean, Heidi and I have talked about this. 
you know, you can, how many have ever done this? You, you load your guns when you're not with the person. If they say this, I'm going to say this. I got them. We're good to go. I got them. No, no. I don't need to get somebody. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. He'll tell me what to do and what to say, or most of the time, He'll say this, why don't you pray for him? Maybe they're dealing with something you don't know about. Probably, most likely, they're going through something you don't know about or went through something that has shaped the way they see situations and the way they think. And the Lord's trying to help them have a transformation of thinking out of carnality and injury into a place of spirituality and freedom and health. Right? Then you get into what? Someone speaking and living spiritually, not carnally. So he goes on to say this. You are jealous and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? He's making a good argument. Are you living like people of the world? So here we see an important truth concerning the word carnal. Remember the word carnal in verse 1. Now we're going to look at the word carnal in verse 3. And we'll probably have to wrap it up right here. And this series will go longer than four messages, even though I planned it for four. But I'm not in a hurry because I'm 45 and I plan to pastor here at least till 65. So if you want to hang out for 20 years, I'm going to be here. So uh, we can just continue on in the word. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you say, who will take over when you're gone? The Lord knows. <laughs> here is an important truth concerning the word carnal used in verse 1. And in verse 3, that shows the difference between someone who is just saved and someone who has been saved for a certain length of time, but has not taken spiritual growth seriously. So the carnal in verse 1 is someone just saved. The carnal in verse 3 is a different Greek word. It's still similar, but it has something attached to it that makes it apply to someone who's been saved for a few years. It says this. Uh, this is out of the Complete Biblical Library New Testament Commentary, page 510. I, I rarely read that, but I just thought you should know. <laughs> I mark everything so I have it so I can go back to it quickly. The meaning of the word carnal in verse 1 is a different from the word carnal in, in verse 3 or this verse. The first word means fleshly and one who cannot help it. Fleshly as one who what? Cannot help it. Okay? What does that mean? Do you expect a newborn baby to act like a two-year-old? Do you expect a two-year-old to act like a 10-year-old? Do you expect a 10-year-old to act like a 20-year-old? In other words, what? 
There is a natural progression to natural growth, understanding, discipline, functionality, day in, day out living. In the spirit, it's the same way. So if you're just born again and you're still cussing people out, we get it. We understand. I understand it. You say, are you sure? Because their nature changed. Yeah, but that doesn't mean their mind changed and it doesn't mean they know how to control their flesh. So give them some, some mercy like you gave yourself when you were first saved. Well, they shouldn't be doing this and they shouldn't be doing that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back it all the way up and go, where are they at in the progression of spiritual development? And there's a lot of factors that come in here that I don't have time to go into. One is, have they been taught that they can conquer their emotion or their soul and their flesh? Because if you haven't been taught that, then you'll just think you are a slave to whatever you feel. How many know that's not the case, thank God? You can walk in the resurrection graces within you. And I'll finish with that in Philippians 2.12, but let me finish this statement. Before I get to preach, i got to back myself up here. Okay. The second word for fleshly is one who will not help it. The first one, one who can't yet because they're spiritually too immature. The second one, they know better. They're choosing not to. Come on, how many of your kids, when they were younger, you disciplined them because they did something that they knew better on? Uh-oh. They knew better. You say, how do you know? Well, with my kids, I go, I ask them a question. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. And I go, you knew. You chose not to. Well, uh, I didn't mean to. It's not time to make excuses. Because that will hold you in immaturity. It's time for repentance. And see if you can come to the throne of grace and mercy. Your father. You'll definitely receive grace to help. The mercy side, you may still get whooped. <laughs> goes on to say this they should have been bearing the fruit of the spirit instead they were producing the works of the flesh this was particularly true as it applied to divisions in the Corinthian church the divisions were not only bad they proved these believers were immature their wrong attitudes words and actions proved their inclination toward natural or worldly living so when problems come to you, when circumstances come to you, do you respond out of your natural or do you respond out of your spirit? This is a way you can gauge your level of spiritual development. What is your response? Are you cursing who's in the office of the president right now? Come on. <laughs> People are raising their hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'd bless him. <laughs> Here's the thing. Let me, no matter what we think about any of this, what does the scripture tell us to do in regards to leaders? Whether they're there legally 
or not. <laughs> ah, I love politics in church. It doesn't, guys, you realize you, we don't even know how many people are in a position because they did something illegal in this world. The, the purpose, the goal is peace so we can spread the gospel. All right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, here's where we end. Philippians chapter 2, and this is a precursor. This may come back later. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. This came out of uh, Rick's teaching this morning, whether he realizes it or not. Probably was not in his notes, I'm guessing. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, and this is, a, this is kind of a precursor to where we're going to head, but he talked about, he quoted this verse, and he made the statement, we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So Philippians 2, 12 says this, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, what? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you may think, am I supposed to work under grace? Yes. Now hear me. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. I don't have to work in my salvation. Watch. I don't have to work to get my salvation to come to me. Okay? But I do have a responsibility to work it. Therefore... Make no, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't make provision. Don't, don't give your members to carnality. Give them to resurrection graces. Put it on. Well, I don't feel like it exactly. Put. How many, you, you may have picked the shirt you wanted to wear, but were you just like, oh, I just feel like putting this shirt on. Oh, I just feel so excited about it. When you're in your closet. If you were, that's a little weird. <laughs> Unless it's a new shirt or something. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. Maybe the women are that way. I don't know. I, I'm just like, honey, does this work or just because sometimes I'll pick clothes and I'll think, yes, I got it. She goes, you can't do that. <laughs> sometimes I think she married me because she's like, if we let him go through the rest of his life like he's going, <laughs> it's going to be bad. <laughs> All right. Listen now. Both sides of our salvation are loaded down with resurrection graces. And I saw this when you said this this morning by the Holy Spirit. There was grace provided. All of it was provided before we ever received it. But in our initial salvation, we did no work for it. And we didn't, we didn't, when we received Christ, we did no work for the graces that we work out. But we received all of that, but now, once we're born again, the Lord says, now work it out with fear and trembling. What do you mean? Learn 
what I, how I see you and what I've provided for you when you were born again and placed within you. Renew your thinking to the reality of what I've said about you and then go ahead and implant that word into your speaking, into your actions, into your facial expressions, into what you do for entertainment, into the way you drive your car, into the way that you walk in the grocery store, into your facial expressions. Let my glory so overtake your natural that people look at you and go, oh, what do you have that I don't have? In other words, what? I'm working it, but I didn't have to work it. You see that? Um... If you'll submit to it and believe it, God's got wonderful things for you. Actually, that you're, you, if you're born again, they're already in you. You don't have to go fishing to find them somewhere. They're in you, and they can be worked out. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.